one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay take your bible the hundred and thirty seventh psalm i'm sure that the statement I'm about to make, nobody could rightfully or truthfully refute or contradict. This is the saddest generation that ever lived on American soil. Now, the reason that's so is this is the meanest generation. And though this is not good language, this is the baddest generation. Therefore, it's the saddest. And brother, you put her down. When you decide to be bad, you have invited yourself to be sad. There's nothing that makes people sadder than sin. And this nation is literally malignant with sin. And as I've said before, I believe Dr. Bill Dow was right when he made the statement when we were with him in the last meeting. He said that the best we've got in our churches today would have been considered backsliders 25 years ago. That may explain why our churches have quit singing. That may explain why we have to have paid choirs and, and paid hymnsters and, and uh, paid singers and so forth. God's people, when they're right with God, are singing people. Singing is an expression of joy. Joy is our strength. What's happened to the church? Not in the last, in my generation, what's happened to us? I can name you some of the things that have happened. But I want to read to you the 137th Psalm by the rivers of Babylon. Now, you know good and well they're out of location. That's the wrong place for God's people. What are they doing down there? Brother, any time you, you go down to Babylon, you, you're going you're gonna to do what they did. By the rivers of Babylon. They were by the wrong water. It takes water. All right, but the wrong kind. He said, is not good. There we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. All they had in that day was some memories. And that's exactly what we're trying to live on today. That's what the average church tries to live on. Boy, can you remember the time when that revival broke out? You remember the time we baptized 47 or 127? Or, huh? Memories. Brother, you'll have a hard time feeding your soul on memories of the past. Brother, when you get to the place where all you've got is a has-been experience, you better bring her on up to date. And so they sat down. Bible said, we wept. They sat down. And that's usually what the people do when they get to the wrong place. They sit down. They quit. They wept, but those were tears of remorse and seemed like not genuine repentance. When we remember Zion, we hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They asked us to sing. They invited us over to sing. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us 
one of the songs of Zion, and they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I know a preacher and his family that decided they could sing in beer joints on Saturday night and then preach and sing in the church on Sunday. And they said, This is our way to reach. Dear friends, as far as I'm concerned, they're trying to sing in a strange land. What we have doesn't mix with what they have. And i tell you something else. Our compromise with the world has not won the world, but it's lost the world. There was a time in the beginning days of my ministry when the church refused to go to the world, but it was the time when the world came to church. But when the church started going to the world, the world stopped going to church. And you don't find a baker's dozen of lost people in anybody's church these days. You don't win with a compromise by letting down the standards or by uh, coexisting, if you please, and saying, well, if we can't win them, we'll join them, but you'll never get them brought to Christ. So there's the picture. Turn to the um, last song in the songbook. And I believe we'll read from the 149th Psalm on the way, the sixth verse, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. The last verse of the last chapter, the 150th chapter, he's been rather prolific. fact is, every verse in the last chapter begins with praise. Ye, the Lord, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Let everything that hath breath praise him, he says. Now, that's how many people are supposed to be singing today. Praising God, everything that's breathing. And if you're breathing, you ought to be praising. And if you're not, you're backslidden. You'd say, well, I don't know too much about music. You don't need to know a good deal about music to praise God. You just need to know the Lord who gives you music on the inside. Turn with me to the 40th Psalm. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up. He brought me up. Also, out of a horrible fit, out of the merry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Let's go back to the 126th Psalm for just one verse, or maybe two. The 126th Psalm. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Turn to the book of Chronicles, chapter 20, and verse 20. Now, I believe that in history and in our political situation, we fail. I mean, we face a situation about like they did. Jehoshaphat is outnumbered. He's overpowered. His human chances are few. And in verse 3, we find Jehoshaphat setting up his defense. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? 
For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mattaniah, Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. The Spirit of the Lord came upon a man. As the people, they had a leader. He feared. He set himself to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And then they confessed that they had no power. The Spirit of God came. And uh, let's see what happened. God came along and said, Be not afraid nor dismayed for reason this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17, ye shall not need the fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not nor be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. They're still doing what Jehoshaphat and the leaders have asked him to do, or what they've done. They're worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Korathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe, oh, how precious are these two statements, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Now then, how did they get the victory? They did. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that, and that should praise the beauty of holiness, and they went out before the army and they say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, seemed like there's a division there. When they began to sing, and then I believe their singing went into praise. I believe sometimes we can sing with our mouth and not worship with our heart. I believe sometimes we can hit the note and miss the mark. I've lost my appetite. I believe I have. I hope I have of trying to please poor old ragged, rotten humanity. I care nothing about your commendation if God turns thumbs down on me while I'm doing it. We're absolutely... I mean, I read through the book of uh, Ecclesiastes this week. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, said the preacher. My, he said, I didn't withhold one thing from my eyes that they wouldn't look at. Well, bud, I'll tell you, anytime you pull a stunt like that, you're going to show, you're going to be filled with the world. But that's our generation for you. Anything these old lustful eyes want to look at, help yourself. But then look what a shape we're into. Well, he said here, when they began to what? When they began to sing and praise, then the Lord stepped on the scene. God came down. Oh, to me, this sounds like a silly thing, and the people thinks it, they think it are, they think it is today. No doubt some of them didn't. They said, how in the world are we going to win the victory when you're doing nothing but sitting up there hollering, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, he'd already told them, see? Now, to me, this is the secret of this victory. 
he said, you're not going to need to fight. Now, there were times when God told him, said, you're going to have to fight. You better put on your war clothes. I mean, you better rally your men. You better march your soldiers. But this time, you won't have to fight. I don't want to do it. But he said, I tell you, this is going to be based on one thing. I want you to sing and furnish me a good pep squad while I fight. And I'll win the victory. And brother, God did it. But I believe this, that it pleases God to hear his children sing when they really praise the Lord. When our hearts are consecrated and when we're separated and sanctified and filled with the Spirit of Christ for us to stand and sing and praise the Lord, it pleases God. God's people have always been a rejoicing people, a singing people. Go through the Bible. Stop where you will. You'll find God's people rejoicing and singing. I give you some illustrations in the Word of God. In the first place, the Lord put down 150 songs. If we count those divisions, 150. He put a whole song book in the Bible. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, and let's see what they're saying back there. Now, this is the Christ-centered. This is, to me, the greatest of the epistles so far as crowning Christ. And... Uh, he says in this chapter, Christ is all, verse 11. Christ is all and in all. Not any Greeks, not any Jews, no circumcision, no uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. Christ is all. And when it gets like that, I want you to notice. He said, um, put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, hearts, full of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, above all these things, put on love. Have you ever thought about how much time we spend dealing with unnecessary things? Now, he said life does not consist in the abundance of things. Paul said uh, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. And I might finish my course with joy. And uh, he said, I want to be found in him, uh, not having mine own righteousness. And he said, being made conformable unto his death. But he said, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. It's the thing that ties us together. We're to be knit together with the uh, threads of love. God's people and need to be knitted together. Isn't it a sight? Honestly, and I just have to say it. Did you know that the devil's crowd stand by each other better than the church crowd stands? Isn't that, isn't that sad? Did you know that the business world will stand together for the sake of business more than God's people will stand together for the sake of God's business? Did you know we'll consider ourselves in competition one with another, and yet we're heading for the same heaven and going to spend the rest of eternity together? and yet nurse grudges and jealousies and envy and, and undermine and slice and cut. And why, I tell you, we're worse than a bunch of kids. Why, he said, the bond of perfectness, that's love, binds us up. Now, he said, when that takes place, you just let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, really, you know what the peace of God is? It's Jesus. He is our peace, the Bible says. You know why this world doesn't have any peace? doesn't have any Jesus. Oh, they flip a little prayer to God, but I'm talking about they don't have any Jesus. And when you don't know Jesus, you don't have any peace. And so he said, let the peace of God 
And Paul says in Philippians, he said, the God of peace. He talks about the peace of God and the God of peace. But he said, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now, what he's saying is this. You let Jesus Christ rule in your heart. And I believe when he rules in your heart, I believe your mind will get straightened out. I don't believe we'll ever think right till we believe right. And this effort to substitute teaching for preaching, I believe is going in the wrong direction. And teaching is vital and important. And he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now he said another let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now then, notice the order. Christ is all in and all, and there comes love to tie us up together. And then there's the peace of God, and then there's the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, in all what? Wisdom. In wisdom, where can wisdom be found? Well, the singer said a while ago, they went into the little church, and uh, their spirits were yielding. There on their knees they found where wisdom could be located. Dear friends, that's in Christ. And so he said, uh, teaching us and admonishing one another in Psalms, there it is, 150 of them, 150 of them, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, I used to sit in Brother Ike Reynolds' class. He used to teach us about music. In fact, is, I think Brother Ike, in, in all respect to him, he's gone to be with the Lord. He and Mrs. Reynolds were in the seminary, and uh, I, I consider them sweet friends, and they taught me some good things. He used to really emphasize the Psalms, sing the Psalms. And I believe the Psalms are to be sung. I sing the Psalms when I'm by myself, but I, I, don't, I could never find the same tune twice. You know, that's one reason it's good to worship God by yourself, because you, you, nobody there to criticize. And I feel like if I'm singing one of the Psalms, I'll just start off on the Lord is my shepherd, or the 19th Psalm, or the 103rd Psalm, bless the Lord, and I'll just start singing the best I can, and I may change keys and tunes a dozen times in one song. But who cares? The Lord, you know, let me say this, and I, excuse me for saying it, but did you know that in spite of the fact that I've had many people to say, I think your ministry would be better off if you'd quit singing. <laughs> I got news for you, buddy. I want to say it lovingly and tenderly. Jesus has never told me one time he didn't like my singing. <laughs> and as long, listen, if Jesus ever comes down and said, son, I wish you'd get quiet. Now you preach, but don't, I'm just tired of hearing you holler like that. Then I'll quit. But till he does, bud, I'm going to keep on singing. Huh? <laughs> Well, amen, I tell you, because this is a relationship between me and him and not between me and you. And when I get to where I'm trying to sing to please you, I ought to quit anyhow. And when you're trying to make a splash from the choir on Sunday morning when the crowd is big, you don't have any right to be singing. But God's people sing to praise God. Singing is a relationship, first of all, that bespeaks a fellowship between the Christian and the one who saved him. And dear friends, I believe there's a Jacob's ladder after a person has a real experience. And I believe the angels ought to keep the ladder hot going in the coming. They did even for Jacob out in the wilderness. He said he saw the angels are coming down and are going back. Now, dear friends, I believe that the angels brought something down, but I believe they carried something back. And I believe there ought to be a two-way trip. 
And I believe our singing ought to offer some to the Lord. After all, what can you give to God that he needs or that he'd even want? I hear people, you know, we used to sing the song, Take my will and make it thine and look so pious. And the Lord seems to say, what I want with your stinking will. That's what's had you in trouble all, and now you want me to take it. Amen? He said, you quit talking about your little old will and let me give you mine. Amen? <laughs> and you say, Lord, where can I find it? He said, it's written down. Read it. You ought to have as much sense in reading my will as you would your papa's will when he dies. Ah, oh, listen, how happy God's people ought to be. Here's the whole will of God written out. Everything I need from the cradle to the grave and all the way through eternity is written down in this book. Did you know this book will never pass away? Did you know that heaven and eternity won't wipe this book out? I mean, this old book will be sweeter when I get home than it is down here. And it's the only thing I've got to cling to down here. And it's the only thing that's clung to me that's made any difference. I heard a man called by many Mr. Confusion, and I hardly ever listened to him. But I heard him a few moments today on the radio station. And he said, I subscribe to every, I mean, the Wall Street Journal. I, res, I, I subscribe to every magazine that you can think of. I read the newspapers. I, I read all the sports sections. I take sports magazines. And he said, I'm trying to keep up. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if I never had heard him before, he got way behind with me then. Any preacher got time to read through and brush through that many beer advertisements and liquor ads. I tell you, that old boy's in a bad shape. I'd sure hate to have him for my pastor. And yet people are being misled every day by that. Oh, my soul. If God's people would go back to just the Bible and salvation by grace through faith plus nothing, preach repentance and faith and have fellowship with Jesus Christ and repent and call on God and sing and pray and preach and witness and knock on doors, brother, it would change some things. We're not going to improve on God's plan. He told us what to do about it. And in closing this message on the importance of praise, you'd say, Brother Olaf, when you get in trouble... And when your sorrow comes, that's when you ought to praise the Lord. I believe you need something besides a hypodermic when you go into grief. And I won't tell you right now, I'm sick of sedatives. I'll guarantee you if everything that's connected with me dies tonight, I don't want you to offer me no sedatives for breakfast. If Jesus can't comfort me, let me die with a broken heart. And if I've got to get knocked out to go to my funeral or somebody's funeral that I love dearly, brother, I must be dependent on pills instead of the gospel. I think it's time for God's people to prove to a deadly world and a dangerous world and a backslidden world that Christ is all we need. This bunch in this auditorium and out in Radio Land ought to get so jealous for Jesus that we wouldn't let anybody even make an attempt to comfort us except Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit said, I'll send you another comforter. Paul and Silas were in jail. I mean, they'd been beaten to a pup. Their backs had been sliced and cut, and no doubt was bloody. And there they were locked up in stocks, and they were bound tight. And uh, Paul and Silas at midnight said, Oh, if we just had some tranquilizers. They didn't say that. If we could just get to the corner drugstore, if the jailer would bring me just a shot of dope and put me out for the night. Oh, I long. No, uh -uh. He said, Let's take off for Jesus. Let's head for heaven. Paul and Silas began to pray, and heaven came down. 
Glory fill their souls. They forgot about their raw backs and begin to get burdened for the old jailer and pray, and directly Silas and Paul begin to do what? Sing praises to God. Brother, they sang, and God said, if I had an angel, I'd shake that jail apart, and every angel in heaven come running. My soul, he shook that old jail and said, listen, we'll just, I think he, he's like picking a guitar while he's singing on them old bars. He tore that thing apart, and in a moment, all the people stepped out in the hall, and the jailer started to kill himself, and the two duet singers said, do thyself no harm. We got some more singing for you. We got a personal message for you. And he came in the presence, and in a little while, Paul and Silas were sitting at the jailer's breakfast table, three or four o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. eating the best that he had to offer. But before they did it, let me tell you something. Their backs were washed with a soft, warm rag. Their stripes had some soothing balm put on them by one of their own converts. Brother, they prayed and they sang, and it's time for God's people to sing, not just in the church house, but sing when you get home. Sing on the job. Sing on the way home. Put good music in your home. Let it be filled. Every wall ought to be stained with melodies that are heavenly. And this song I sing many times. Let me love thee more and more till this fleeting, fleeting life is all o'er. Till my soul is lost in love in that brighter, brighter world above. Sing it every day, every hour. Let me feel thy cleansing path. May thy precious love to me bind me closer, closer, Lord, to thee. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.